happy Mother's Day, moms. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, we are so grateful for you. How many of you love videos like this? I mean, you, you just watch that all day long. It's just something about uh, kids, listening to kids, the things that they say. You know what? And this is probably like the fourth time I've seen it, and it just kind of even just hit me just now. You know, moms, it's the little things you do. You know, it's the snuggles and the kisses, and it's all those things that, I mean, they just, that's what, that's what means the most. And you're going... Good, no more toys for them. No, I'm just kidding. But it's moms, thank you for all you do. We love honoring and celebrating our moms. And really, we love doing that in, in every season, whether you've got kids at home, uh, whether you're an expectant mom, whatever it may be. I know for us, one of the things that's so important for us, for Wendy and I, for Pastor Jeff and Brandy, our lead pastor, uh, and, and for us as milestone, uh, our milestone family is is celebrating and honoring our single moms. And uh, we had an opportunity on Friday night uh, at our Keller campus to honor our single moms. There were some ladies, uh, some single moms from here, from our McKinney camps that went down there. I'm really fond of the uh, the one who spoke to the single moms. Wendy was there speaking to all the single moms, and I really like that mama right there. That's that's my favorite. Um, and so. It was just an amazing time. We just loved them, honored them, showered them with gifts. And uh, the goal was this, Dr. Stacy Hatcher, who oversees all of our missions, uh, we said, what, what's the goal? What's the target? As Wendy was preparing for the message, she said, I just, I just want them to feel loved on. And uh, she received a text, uh, Dr. Stacy Hatcher did yesterday, uh, from a lady. Her first time to Milestone was she was invited to Friday night to the Single Mother's Banquet. Um, and she said, I felt so loved and honored. I can't wait to be there on Sunday morning for Mother's Day. And uh, it was just amazing to see, amazing to experience. And listen, it's because of your generosity at all of our campuses for single moms across all of our campuses across DFW that we're able to do that. And so that was just a special moment in taking time to honor our moms. Well, today I have a special Mother's Day message, but I also want uh, to kind of broaden the scope a little bit and help you hopefully see something that I think we can learn from moms, but that applies to all of us, and that is vision. When I think about moms, I think about vision, and, and, and you may think, well, like what kind of vision? Now, I'm not talking about uh, the eyes in the back of their head vision, okay? Some of you moms in here, you have that special gift, that special trait. I know my mom did. She also must have had Gumby arms because I could say things, and she could smack me behind the head uh, around a wall. I don't know how she did it. That she was really fast, but she's about, uh, about a five-foot to Hispanic lady, but I tell you what, you don't want to mess with her, okay? Don't talk back, all right? And, and, and so I'm not talking about eyes in the back of your head vision. I'm talking about vision when you look at, at where you're wanting to go. What, what is vision? Vision is a, is a picture of a desired future. And what I love about moms is they embody that. They embody this picture that they have. They have this, this picture, this vision of where they want to be of what they, what they want for their children. And, and you know it. We all have maybe experienced that where you have moms that just, they just see the best in us. They just see how great we can be. They love on us. They speak to where we're going. They encourage us. And I think that we can look and take a little bit of what I think a lot of moms naturally have as a God-given gift, whether they realize it or not. And I think we can see how that applies to all of us. And we can begin to live a life full of vision. I want you to open up your Bible. 
Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. We're going to get there in just a minute. But uh, I was reminded of this Friday as Wendy was getting ready. She headed down to the single mother's banquet. We were doing all sorts of uh, uh, Mother's Day gift shopping with my girls. We were running around. And uh, years ago, we used to be able to just get one card, right? And you could just write one card from all the kids. And most of the kids really couldn't write really well or not legibly anyway. So I kind of wrote something and they just kind of scribbled their name. Well, now, not only can they write, they all want to write a novel to mom. So now we got to get, every child needs a card, all right? I mean, I'm not going to, I was standing there, we were looking at cards. Whoever's in the card industry, they're making money hand over fist. I tell you what, you know, I mean, it's like, so we're getting all these cards. And one of the cards that one of my little girls got, I thought it was so appropriate for today. And I think not just for my little one, but I I think for all children as well as all moms. And, And on the front of it, it had two questions. It said, things you ask mom and things you ask dad. So we'll start with moms. And, and this is the stuff that you ask mom. Mom, okay, don't go into shock as I do this. It's not your children asking you these things. I could trigger you a little bit and you, you start going, uh, uh, you start getting a little uh, dialed up when you hear these things. But maybe you've heard stuff like this, mom. What's for dinner? What time is it? Can you drop me off? How come? Why not? When is it my turn? And is it amazing how when they add, they can they can rapid fire questions without taking a breath in about ten seconds because it starts to pick up. Can I have more? Where is it? Will you read this one to me? Can I watch TV? Can I play with this? Do I have to go to bed? Can I have a unicorn? My middle one added that when she wrote that in on her own. Things that you ask mom, and then. It had stuff you asked dad. Where's mom? (laughs) That's about the extent of what our children will ask dad. Where's mom? I I don't know about you. In my house, the same thing happens. My girls will be in the living room. My girls, Wendy will be doing something. My girls will walk right past me. They'll go ask mom something. And they'll ask Wendy something. And Wendy will say, babe. Your dad is sitting right there. It don't matter. You want to know why? Because they want mom. Because there's just something special about mom. You know, asking questions, language as a parent, as a mom, you get that all the time. You get questions, conversations. But when you think about it, there's so much language and intentionality and clarity that you have to work on if you're going to be able to communicate clearly in a family. And the truth is, there are some questions you have to be very careful on how you answer. Men, you may have had this question today. For example, how do I look in this outfit? The answer you give could alter the course of your future real quick. So you have to think about, what are you going to say? Or perhaps, when you're talking to your children and they come in one day and they say, where do babies come from? Well, then we do, if you happen to be a dad and your child asks you that question, you do what most dads do. You say, go ask your mom. So it always seems to point back to mom, but you start thinking about questions and and conversations. and, And the truth is you have to really work hard on defining what things really mean. You see, language shapes where we're going. The words that we use and the intentionality that we have, they shape where we're going and they really determine the vision that we're going to end up at. 
But sometimes it can be challenging. It can feel like you're hitting a moving target. Any, any moms and dads in here understand what I'm talking about? Or, or maybe just in general, in life, you feel this way. Whether you have children or not, when it comes to vision, it can be challenging. I, I was reminded of this because sometimes, you know, Wendy and I, in the season when I'm 42, she's 25, and... Uh, I'm just kidding. She's not 25, but so I, I, but she'll always be 25. And so, you know, I like to think, man, I, you know, I relate. I'm cool, but I, I'm around young people at times, and they start saying stuff, and I'm like, I have no idea what that. What did they just cuss at me? I don't know what just happened. What are they saying? And so I was reminded because I looked up, you know, 2020 slang words. What's in it? And you start reading things, and you start realizing. Things that you thought meant one thing don't really mean that anymore. I'll give you an example. I'm going to read these off so that I don't mess them up. And, and some of the young people will understand what I'm talking about. The young people, just know, teenagers in here, they're going to know what I'm saying. Mom and dad, you'll have no idea what I'm about to say. Because you can understand and you know that language can be challenging. And if you have a teenager, you're reminded of this. Because you may hear things like this. Lit, sus, fire, slaps, big yikes, and hits different. What? What just happened? Like, did someone get in a fight with an arsonist? I don't understand what is going on here. Like, what, what, is, what is happening? And here's the reality. That's how we can feel when it comes to family. That's how I can feel when it comes to vision. It's like, man, I thought I knew what I was doing. But apparently, this other thing means something else now. And you can feel like you're hitting a moving target, but you don't have to. So how do we get there? Vision. It's vision. Vision for where you're going. Vision for your family. What is vision? Vision is a picture of a desired future. It, maybe you've heard this phrase, you know, a, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, it's only worth that if you have a vision. You know, I, I think about moms and moms, you, you just exude vision. You see the best. I think about my mom. I think about my mom, and, and this week, you know, they, they asked us, some of the team, they said, hey, they asked the different campus pastors, tell me one thing that you love about your mom. And so I shared a few things. I said, one thing is I really love my mom's intentionality. I love how she's intentional, and I love, this, this was the, that's a cute kid now, I'll tell you what. This was, this was I don't even know, I, I don't know, I was maybe five or something. But I'm thinking about my mom, and I'm thinking how intentional she is. And I think about every season of life, how she celebrated every single, for me and my two younger brothers, she celebrated us. Where does it come from? It comes from vision. But I want us to understand and I want to encourage you that vision is not something that is just exclusive to moms. While a lot of moms have that, we can all have vision for our life and for our family but I understand that even today as we celebrate moms, Mother's Day can be challenging. It can be difficult. Perhaps you've gone through a difficult season and this is the first time you're spending Mother's Day as now a single mom. Perhaps this is your first Mother's Day without your mom. Maybe your mom didn't have that kind of vision, didn't, didn't have a picture of a desired future, didn't encourage and wasn't intentional and, and didn't celebrate seasons. I don't know where you may be or what it was like for your mom and with you and your mom, but here's what I do know. There's a God who's bigger that can redeem every season of life we're in. And we can live with vision. 
we don't have to be dictated by just the things that we experienced in life. You see, vision will guide us, and the words that we use help shape what that vision looks like. But where do we get vision? Well, vision comes from God. God is the vision giver. He gives vision. He gives direction. And then when we begin to pursue the vision that he has for us, what happens is the language that we use, the words that we use begin to shape that vision. You see, when we can come together and we have clarity on a common language and and a common goal, then we can have a common vision. You can have that in your marriage. You can have that in your life. You can have that as a picture of where you're wanting to go. And the truth is, it doesn't matter the season. You can be five years old. You can be 95 years old. And anywhere in between, we can all grow in vision for our life, for our family, and for where we want to be. So, so how do we get there? What, what does that look like? Why is this challenging and, and why is this so difficult? Well, it can be hard because sometimes you may feel like, I, I'm just trying to survive. I, I've never really thought about vision and vision for my family and, and where am I going and this, this, this desired future, this picture of a desired future. I'm just trying to make it through the day. I'm trying to make it through the week. I'm trying to make it through all the questions that all my children seem to ask me. And you can feel like, what, what do I do? How do I get there? Maybe you've never really thought about family or, or even Mother's Day or, or your life or your future through this lens and through this context. But, but here's what we have to understand. You won't end up there by accident. It doesn't just happen by accident. You don't accidentally end up where you want to be. There has to be intentionality. There has to be a vision and a direction because every choice that we make will determine the picture that we have. The picture that we set of where we're wanting to go in our, in our family, in our, in our marriages, it, it's that in which we move towards. But the question is, do we have a vision to get there? Do we have a a common language in our marriage or in our families to move us towards that common goal, towards that common vision? We can get there. I want to hopefully give you some things that help you set a clear picture of where you're wanting to go and, and what it could look like. That you would begin to realize and see that as you recognize God is the vision giver, God is, is passionate and, and loves you and your family and has great things in store for you. As you begin to move towards those things, you begin to embrace them in a different way. And all of a sudden, now it begins to shape the things that you move towards. Proverbs 29, 18, many of you may know this scripture. Many of you have maybe said this scripture, quoted this scripture. Maybe it's one of your favorite scriptures. It says this, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, he says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. They cast off restraint. One translation says the people perish. You see, when you have vision, it limits your options, but it expands your possibilities. When you have vision, you begin to restrain yourself. You set boundaries for yourself. Whether you're single, whether you're single again, whether you're married, whether you have children, whether your children uh, are, are teenagers or they're younger, or whether you're an empty nester, wherever it may be, it is vision that helps you set guidelines and boundaries, guardrails to help you get to where you want to go. Now, I started thinking about this word vision. You think about vision, and as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking about you, and I'm praying for you. I thought about the word goals. 
And I started thinking, well, what's kind of the difference between vision and goals? Aren't they kind of interchangeable? I, I, they, they, I thought, well, maybe they're the same thing. Or, or what is that? What does that look like? And as I began to just study and look and, and look at the difference between vision and goals, goals are actually mile markers. They're, they're things that we do to help us get to where we want to be. And as I started thinking about that, I started thinking about perhaps that actually is the greatest challenge that we have when it comes to vision. You say, well, what do you mean, Chris, to help me understand that? Well, we live in a culture and a society that certainly promotes doing, get stuff done. So what we do, in fact, we even, and I enjoy it. I love leadership. I love setting goals. I love getting things done. So we live in a context where it's all about goals, 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 where I want to be, goal, and we, we think that where I want to be and our goals are interchangeable, that they're the same thing, but I would... I would say they're not. You see, because it would be like this. Say you have a goal to build a house. So you set out building the house. And you go, well, we need a foundation. So you do a foundation. We need walls here and we need a wall there. And they're okay. And then we're going we're gonna to go ahead and we, we're going to wrap the porch here. And then we're going to do this. We're going to add that. And maybe, oh, you know what? Maybe let's go. Let's do a second story. Why not? Or we'll do an added game room over the garage, whatever it may be. And you get done and you look at it. And guess what? You hit your goal. You have a house. But you start going, man, I really didn't want that wall there. I actually wanted it here, and I actually didn't want the porch to look like this. I wanted it to look like this. And actually, why? How did that happen? Because we set out pursuing goals, but we didn't stop first to gain a vision. You see, it's actually easier to go, what's my goal? Let me go do it, than actually stop a minute and go, what is the vision that I want for my life, for my marriage, for my family? You see, that takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes seeking wisdom. It takes being patient in the process and recognizing, God, I want to get your perspective on this. And what ends up happening is that we end up working so hard to build something and going, we thought this is what we wanted, but you don't end up where you wanted. You see, the only thing worse than not having what you want is getting what you thought you wanted and realizing it's not what you wanted at all. I see it all the time. I talk to people all the time. They work hard, they work hard, they work hard. They sacrifice, they sacrifice, they build, they spend. They burn calories thinking that, hey, I got a goal to do this, but all the while they're missing out. And actually, if you stop and go, what's your vision for where you want to be? It wouldn't necessarily have to do with all these things that they're chasing down. Because what happens is they wake up one day and they realize, wait a minute. I thought this is what I wanted, but it actually isn't. You see, it's vision that anchors you to those things. It's vision that keeps you, in, it keeps you on track. It's vision that helps hold you to where you're wanting to go. But the, the reality is that we all face challenges. It's difficult and it's hard. But I want to hopefully... Cast a clear vision for you of what it could look like. What could it be? Where could your marriage be in five years if you had a clear vision? If you came together, unified. You see, the, the word division actually comes from two words, division, two people. This is why if you are married and you are in a marriage covenant, this is so important. Because by the nature and default of two people coming together, you're going to naturally have two different goals, two different visions. But it's God when he's the vision giver and you sync up around common language and a common goal that you then have a common vision. That's what begins to bring unity. 
But it's God who does that. Because at the end of the day, you both have two different ideas on how to raise your kids. Two different ideas on what marriage looks like, what family looks like, what fun looks like. I know what I think looks fun. I'm like, babe, let's go do this. She's like, that sounds terrible. And she's like, babe, let's go do this. And I'm like, that sounds terrible. But I'm into you, so I'll go get into that, you know. So you really find the sweet spot when you end up finding something that you both enjoy doing. Well, invest into that. Why? Because now you have common language, common goals, and it creates a common vision. Where could your marriage be in five years if you had a common vision? Where your marriage is more fruitful than it's ever been before and you're more in love than you ever have been? Where could your children be where they love and serve one another, you, God, each other, more than they ever have before? Where, where could you be if you had vision where your season you're in doesn't define who you are, but it prepares you for where you're going because you recognize that God can take your mess and turn it into a miracle? Where could you be that generations to come, because of the seeds that you've planted, you're not just investing in and building in your children, but your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-great-grandchildren, and you're thinking, I'm just trying to make it through the week. What are you talking about, great-great-great-great-grandchildren? It's vision that anchors you to that. That's what causes you to plant the seeds now. It helps you to see the fruit that you want in the future. But it's hard. I get it. It's hard. It's challenging. We go through challenges. We go through difficult times. You think, well, you know, I've, I thought I've done all the right things, and maybe you have. But you're going, man, my, my kids that are now adults, they, they just, they, they've made their own choice. They will. They'll make their own choices. That's not a reflection of you not having done what you should have done. But it's vision because you hold on to that vision and know no matter where they're at, God can still redeem that child. God can still redeem your son or your daughter, whatever the season they may be in. You see, here's what I want you to get and what I want you to hold on to. It's your vision for the future that gives you perseverance in the present. It's your vision for the future, where you're going and, and what your vision is. If you sync up around that and there's unity around that, you'll move towards it because there will be challenges. There will be hard times, but it is your vision for the future that gives you perseverance in the present, when things aren't going the way you thought, when things are a mess, when you're thinking you're on the brink of divorce, when you're on the other end of a, of a difficult and messy separation, when you've had loss or a, or, or a spouse has passed away, whatever it may be, whatever season you're in, God can use it and redeem it and work in you and work through you. But it's a vision for the future that will give you perseverance. It's vision that anchors you to what God is wanting to do and what he's wanting to speak to you. So how do we do that? How do we get God's vision for our family? Here's the first thing I think that we can do when we really look at and focus on gaining God's vision. Because remember, he's the vision giver. He's the one that sets it up. The first thing is this, embrace God's pattern. Embrace his pattern. There's a way in which he does things. And listen, there's a reason why people say hindsight's 20-20. You look back and go, well, you know what? Maybe you, uh, even some of the things I'm about to say, you recognize and go, I hadn't really done God's pattern, but can I tell you something? God can still redeem it. You may be looking and thinking, I haven't really lined up with God's pattern. Because see, what does God bless? God blesses his pattern. But there's two real 
distinct patterns that he has all throughout the word of God. First is this. You find it in Ephesians chapter 5. Chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Ephesians are really kind of the hallmark when it comes to marriage and family. Husbands and wives. Parents and, and children. And Paul is writing this. He's actually quoting Jesus from Matthew 19. And Jesus in Matthew 19 is quoting God in Genesis 2. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. You see, one of God's patterns when it comes to vision and purpose is marriage. The marriage covenant, not a contract, it's a covenant. You see, a contract is, what do I get out of this? I want to protect myself. I want to make sure I get what I want, what I need. A covenant is, what can I give? How do I operate and serve and love in this context? And that's what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians. He's talking about covenant. He's talking about oneness. He's talking about, not. and maybe you've heard this before, it's not two halves make a whole. What he's talking about is two whole individuals growing in their relationship with God, coming together and walking as one. Now, here's the reality, though, because you see it more and more. Each, I see it a lot, especially within our church family. I love it, too, because what I love is there are oftentimes couples that they didn't live this way. They didn't, they didn't necessarily follow God's pattern and how they got together, but now they're following God's pattern. They didn't start out honoring God in their relationship early on. That's not how they started, but now they're at the place of going, I want to honor God. I want to honor God. I want to honor my family. I want to do this right. God can redeem it. That's not a label over you. That's not something that limits you. God can work and move in that way. Just recognize and know that. But here's what happens. You also have to realize there very well, well have been some things that you haven't walked in wholeness in that you brought into this marriage and you're wondering why are we having fracture, uh, fractures and friction and becoming one? It's because until you start walking in wholeness. Now God's bigger. It's not as if one has to have sequ happen sequentially. God's big enough for them both to happen at the same time where you start pursuing wholeness as you're pursuing oneness. And oftentimes that is the byproduct and that is the dichotomy that so many marriages are in right now. And you wonder, why do I have all this friction and why do I have all these issues in my marriage and in my relationship? Well, just recognize perhaps you didn't start off on the right foot. That's okay. God's not surprised. He's not overwhelmed by it. He redeems it, and you start honoring God all along the way. And you know what? He blesses it because you start lining up with his pattern. So even if you're single and you're not married or you're single again, this applies to you. Why? Because you can be pursuing wholeness to prepare yourself for the season when you do perhaps get married. But there's a second pattern. And he talks about this pattern in Genesis, and this pattern has to do with how he designed us. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them, and God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. I love that word at the end, subdue it. Basically, take dominion, win, right? That's what he's saying. Subdue it. Well, you can walk in the authority that God gives you, and you can subdue the things that you experience in life. How many of you know you're going to experience pressure in life? You can subdue those things, 
when you walk in this pattern. Okay, Chris, what is the pattern? You're walking in the pattern of how God designed you. And when you walk in the pattern of how God designed you, the byproduct of that is you become a reflection of God. So when your spouse pushes your buttons and you want to let them know about themselves, you can actually reflect the image of God. Now, I'll be honest and transparent, that's not always the case for me. I, I, I don't always respond just right when, when Love Biscuit kind of pushes my buttons a little bit and I walk in and there's piles. We're not going to talk about piles. It's Mother's Day, you know. There's, there's piles, you know. You can have all the piles you want today. And, just, and your birthday. And your birthday. That's it. And after that, no more piles. How am I responding in that moment, not reacting You see, the reality is when we grow in our relationship with God, here's what happens. We become more like Jesus, which means we become a reflection of God. That is his pattern. So marriage is his pattern, but even you growing and developing in who God's called you to do, that's part of his pattern. When you embrace God's pattern, you will gain a vision for your family, and you can live it out that way. But here's the second part. Here's the second way we develop God's vision for our family is we have to cultivate it. You've got to cultivate that vision. You've got to cultivate what it looks like, and you've got to cultivate God's presence in your life and in your family and in your marriage and in your relationships, whatever season you may be in. Joshua 24, 15 says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is it that you're doing to show and to live out service? It's why we try our best to make it very simple for you. When it comes to taking next steps, go to 101, go to 201, go to 301, get involved in a small group, go to serve day, whatever it is, start serving as a family. That's why we had serve day a few weeks ago. I love it because there's nothing more powerful than seeing Families serve together. You see, what you minimize and what you treat as something that is just simply casual, they view in your family as unnecessary. If you're wondering, why do my kids not want to fill in the blank? They don't want to go to Elevate. They don't want to go to kids' church. They don't want to go to church. Whatever you view as casual, they view as unnecessary. You see, what you do is you view from your standpoint, your vantage point, that, oh, well, we're busy and we have this and we have that. No big deal. We'll be there next week. We'll do whatever. And what you're doing is you don't realize that the vision you are, the picture you are creating is that living a life of serving God and you and your family serving God is just something casual. And in doing so, they deem it as unnecessary. But you can change that. But it's going to take cultivating. Well, how do you cultivate? It's like anything else, like a garden. You may have heard me use this illustration before. If you have a garden, we don't have gardens. You want to know why? Because I don't have a green thumb. I don't know if a black thumb is a thing, but I've got it if it is, okay? We kill things unintentionally. I don't know how. We don't have a garden. But if I did, Wendy wants a garden. We try. We're going to give this herb garden a shot, babe. I mean, we got our herbs for an herb garden for Mother's Day. I'll let you know how it goes in a few weeks. But if, if I plant onions, guess what I get? Onions. Shocker. If I plant tomatoes, what do I get? Tomatoes. You're, you're getting good. If I plant cucumbers, what do I get? Cucumbers. If I plant nothing, what do I get? No, you get weeds. But that's how we operate in our family. 
not realizing that, oh, I, I, it's, just, it's no big deal, it's fine, it's casual, we kind of would do this, kind of come in and out, bump in and out. And we don't realize that we are actually creating a nature of serving Jesus and having a relationship with him and his presence. It's casual. And then we wonder, why is it unnecessary? We think because we plant nothing that we get nothing. No, you get weeds. And then we look back at our life and wonder, how did we get that? Because we didn't intentionally cultivate God's presence. It takes time. Cultivate, cultivate. And who is it that's helping you cultivate? Who's helping you cultivate those things? Who's helping you cultivate God's presence in your life? It's why we do for us as a church family. It's part of the role that we play. It's why it's so important for us. Alex just spoke about it earlier, Summer at Milestone. We're not looking to do VBS just to do VBS or kids camp or middle school camp or high school camp. What are we trying to do? Create avenues for you to cultivate God's presence, for them to grow. It becomes a catalyst to help you. Why do we do summer splash and women's nights, joy in the winter? Why do we do men's gatherings, those type of things, small groups? What are we doing? Cultivate. See, who you're around, you will gain their language. I'll give you an example. How many of you are not originally from Texas? Raise your hand. There's a lot of you in here. There's a lot in the first service too. Now, how many of you have ever used the word y'all? Yeah. You see, you ain't from here, but you're, you're around all these people here, and guess what you started doing? You started talking like them. It's not about uniformity. It's about unity. You see, who are you around that's helping you cultivate God's presence in your life? Who you surround yourself with, you'll begin to speak like. You'll begin to cultivate those things. You got to start asking yourself, what am I cultivating? Am I cultivating? And the people I'm around, are they helping me cultivate God's presence? The third thing is this. You got to prioritize and invest in it. You got to prioritize and invest in it. You see, it's going to take time, but it's going to take intentionality. It's one of the things that, that I think when I think of moms, you model so well, moms, is the intentionality. That's just not my mom that was that way. I think a lot of moms are that way. It comes across as nurturing or being caring or thinking about creating moments and memories and going out of your way for birthday parties and learning how to make cakes that look like spaceships or, you know, whatever it is your kid's into that year. You're intentional. You see, you can try and do your best to gain a lot of tips and techniques to gain a vision for your family, for your life, for your marriage and for your children. But at the end of the day, the tips and techniques, they only add and benefit if you have a vision of where you're wanting to go. Here's the one thing I want to leave you with today. Regardless of the tips and techniques, regardless of the things that you're wanting to do, whatever season you may be in, because as I said earlier, no matter the season, we can all grow in vision. We can all gain a greater vision for our marriage and for our family and for our children and for our lives. You don't have to just set a bunch of goals and once you hit your goals, look and go, wow, this isn't really what I wanted. If you'll stop before you start heading out to just doing the things you think you should do because someone around you says you should or social media says you should or you just think that's what you should do as a as a husband, a father, a mother, a wife, a provider, a caregiver, whatever it is, but you stop and you go, wait a minute, I want to get God's vision. 
for my marriage, for my family, for my future. Remember, the only thing worse than not having what you want is getting what you thought you wanted and realizing it's not what you wanted at all. Here's what I would encourage you to do. It's go first. You see, go first applies to all of us. Go first in embracing God's pattern. Go first in cultivating his presence. Go first in prioritizing and investing into the things that matter. Go first in forgiving and and not being easily offended in a conversation. Go first in sending a little text or, or note and saying how much you love that person. Go first in honoring one another. But you may say, well, Chris, I'm not married. This doesn't apply to me. You can still go first by preparing yourself for where you're gonna be. Well, Chris, this is what I experienced. I tried to do all these things and my marriage failed. My kids ended up this way or that way, whatever it may be. You can still go first in cultivating God's presence. And he can redeem and restore and renew because he makes all things new. You don't know my spouse. What about my spouse? Chris, what about, go first. Well, I would if that, no, 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 go first. Go first. You see, because when we go first, here's what begins to happen. We gain a glimpse of hope. And as we move towards hope that we find in Jesus, we stay focused on that vision, and it's the vision for the future that gives us perseverance and presence.